Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless. Welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This episode, we'll be talking, well, 2026, way too early roster predictions, but it's never really too early. Pulisic, Apple, the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh, Messi, Vatican Girl, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Wednesday, January 11th in the year 2023? I am doing well and excited to have a producer today. Yes, uh, we should uh, let people know a little peek behind the curtain here. We did the Monday show, which came out on Tuesday, the first one of 2023. We were... We're not gonna be. We're not gonna say we were flying blind because we have an incredible crew here that just picked up the slack, and there was slack slack to pick up because producer Sean was nowhere to be found. And you know, sometimes when people don't show up, and you just say, "Oh, you know, it's it's all right. That's not a problem." It got to that point that also happens sometimes where you actually start to get worried about him. And you know, I I hesitate to you know to 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 talk about this because it's make him feel like we really we, we care about him, but. Oh, let's be honest. We do. And we did. We, you know, because he wasn't picking up his phone. He wasn't picking up his texts. And now you start, your wheels start spinning. You think, where, where, where is this guy and what's going on? Well, come to find out that um, he was out at 4 a.m. walking his brand new dog, an English bulldog, evidently. And uh, he left his phone, which nowadays has everybody's alarm, in the other room, then went back to sleep and not only overslept, but slept through all the alarms and slept through the entire taping of our show. And so it was not until we were well and truly done with our, uh, with our episode uh, on Monday that we found out that he is okay, he is alive, it's not a problem, and he's back in the saddle uh, for today's show. So... If you do see a difference in today's show relative to the uh, first show of the week, uh, let us know in terms of the incredible drop of quality. But Sean's back, and you know he's going to continue on. Mossy, how are you, my friend? 
Doing very well. I never answered your text uh, from Monday night. Yes, it is a terrible look for Michigan that we <laughs> lost to that TCU team who then turned around and was absolutely demolished by Georgia. I was with uh, Stu Holden last night. He, he stopped by and uh, we were talking. My wife uh, joined the conversation and, and Ohio State looks a whole lot better in this scenario than Michigan does. My goodness, the, uh, the toads there, the frogs, excuse me, the frogs there. Th what a horrible football team. What a horrible, horrible representation in the worst possible moment in the final there. They just got their asses kicked. My, it's my, in my expert American football opinion. Did you watch the game? So this is what your wife and Stu are clinging to after Michigan went well, into Columbus. Well, it's more Stu's and, wife, too, yes. And so, uh, beat Ohio State by 22 points this season. Well, yeah, because if you look at it, both Michigan and Ohio State had the opportunity in the palm of their hand to go on. Both of them left you know, left something on the plate there and they're kicking themselves. But who's got to be kicking themselves more in terms of Michigan had a much easier pathway to the final and completely blew it. So uh, you watch anything, my friend? Uh, a couple of things. Um, I watched this documentary on Amazon Prime, Into the Amazon, which was recommended by my father. It's about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, this... Uh, Famous excursion he took uh, down a river in the Amazon rainforest, which almost killed him. Uh, fascinating wow. documentary. I What's loved it on? It. What's it on? Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then secondly, this is something you mentioned on the podcast. I finally got around to it. This uh, Netflix true crime doc, Vatican Girl, oh. which uh, I found riveting, but really disturbing. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. For those that, that, that don't know, this was a, um, a, a young girl that went missing. And she and her family lived within Vatican City uh, over there. And, it, you know, it, it, you start to end the, the, the viewing of this and you feel, you know, the, the tinfoil hat <laughs> get bigger and, and heavier as you're going through it. But it is, it is disturbing, but it is, uh, you know, incredibly uh, interesting uh, doc. Um, when it comes to doc, uh, I'm watching a Phil Spector doc, which is on Amazon Prime. And um, the dude was a a genius, but also very, very flawed in many, many ways. And uh, so I recommend that. And then I was watching the Golden Globes last night, um, which, you know, most, and it was just on in the corner of my eye. And most of these award shows now, Mossy, when I was growing up, before you were around, but when I was growing up, award shows were everything. Like you tuned in to find out what was going on, not just in terms of the awards, but to see the people that you, put on a pedestal and you idolized whether it was musicians or actors and they actually had some significance and they don't anymore as a matter of fact i think they actually have the opposite effect now on not just the industry but on the individuals in the industry in that i think they actually look worse <laughs> but with these with these shows now there's there there's nothing relatable and you you roll your eyes. And I'm not talking about rolling your eyes at what the person's wearing or something like that. But the way it's said, it's not funny. It's not interesting. It's not enter, uh, entertaining. And the, you know, the, relate, the ratings reflect that. But I was watching. And this, uh, you know, one of the awards was for the Banshees. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. The Banshees of Inishirin. But that's one of the movies that it was up. I, I watched this. And I didn't know that it had been nominated for anything. Or it was getting the accolades that it was getting. And it's this... It's just, uh, they call it a tragic comedy if you uh, want to look it up here on uh, Wikipedia, if you trust Wikipedia. But let's say it's a tragic comedy. And it stars um, Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Gleeson. 
and it's a really weird, strange, macabre type type of uh, type of story. I didn't find it that interesting. Actually, at times I felt it was plodding and slow and and boring. But you know, sometimes that wins the awards ultimately. But I still I still would recommend it because I think it's some interesting acting, and I think it could have been something. So maybe sometimes you like to watch things for potential, and that's uh, that's what I think when that comes. And I'm probably not pronouncing it. Uh, Correctly. But anyway, uh, anything else uh, you want to hit there? That's it. All right, let's di dive right into it because there's all sorts of stink things that have happened since, you know, the last couple of days and bigger picture stuff that we wanted to uh, talk about. Let's start off with uh, Christian Pulisic because he is obviously a topic for conversation on and off the field and anything that he does. One of the uh, bright, I guess you can still call him a, a young star and still has a, a huge future ahead of him, both from a club and country perspective. But he continues to show this maddening type of trait, which is not being able to stay healthy. You know, we knock on wood, and we did knock on wood, and thankfully he was healthy and was, I think, not completely at his best, but was impactful and one of the best players for the national team in the World Cup. But he turns that back around and goes back to Chelsea, dun, 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 and we, find, uh, we come to find out that, uh, you know, um, He's not going to be around from an injury now for a couple of months is what uh, Grant Potter's saying right now. And so that's not good for Chelsea because I do think that he is an important player and they got a lot of injuries right now. But it's also not good for Christian Pulisic, also in the sense that if there were potential moves, and that's been rumored long in this January transfer window, I don't think that this completely pushes the puts the kibosh on that. But you're going to think twice as to what you offered or even if you are going to offer it going forward until you really find out exactly what this injury is. And for him to come out and say that it's a couple of months, he hopes it's less, but it looks like a couple of months. I mean, that's a serious type of injury. When you mentioned January moves, Chelsea have already made one bringing an attacking player in and Joan Felix. And they've also already lined up Christopher Nkunku for... Uh, next season, both those moves have major Pulisic implications. So, yeah, and he picks up this injury. So, uh, I agree. It's uh, very disappointing at a time when he was starting to get some uh, regular appearances in the starting lineup. And then he picked up the injury against Manchester City in a league game. And, yeah, who knows when he's going to be back. And, look, someone asked me today on Twitter about Christian Pulisic and if this precludes him from from being looked at or having success at big clubs because Christian Pulisic is still, you know, I think recognized as a world-class player and therefore that value that is attached to it. As we've said time and time again, Christian Pulisic has yet to, um, yet to have that skill and to harness that skill of being healthy and staying healthy. And it is a skill as valuable as trapping the ball. Some players have it. Some players don't. And this yo-yoing type of effect that unfortunately we have seen at times with Christian Pulisic, he has yet to kind of, and players do grow out of it, but he has yet to completely get out of it. Same thing with uh, someone like uh, Gio Reyna. And it is, it is concerning because I don't know if he ever will. But having said that, he still is going to be attractive to, uh, to teams out there. And talent trumps all when it comes to these and desperation at times. Uh, can make people do things and overlook problems like this. Uh, this. This is a problem. I hope it's not a serious problem going forward for his club and for the country because he is going to be playing a huge role as you know, one of the captains and certainly the focal point of the national team going forward. Should we spin it over to the national team here? Because I kind of want to do a little exercise with you, Mossy. We are coming into the January camp of the U.S. men's national team. This is not going to involve Christian Pulisic, but this is going to involve 
you know, a January camp, which oftentimes is MLS players or players that are going to be able to be released from their clubs, which oftentimes means that they're not playing for their clubs. But it's going to be predominantly MLS players and players for the future or that we haven't seen a whole lot in the past. I'm going to I'm going to go through the roster, Mossy, uh, from the World Cup here. And I want you to tell me and I'll tell you, who, who do you think still is going to be around come 2026? Keep in mind, it's not four years away. It's only three and a half years away. So goalkeeper, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, and Sean Johnson were the goalkeepers at the World Cup. I think Matt Turner is going to continue to be there. I don't think Ethan Horvath and I don't think Sean Johnson. Yes or no? Do you agree? Well, first off, let me make a larger point. Okay. The U.S. had the second youngest uh, squad at the World Cup behind only Ghana. And so if you go through this roster, there are very few players that you would discard based on age. Yes. Okay. Um, it's a few, oh, but okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Turner... Uh, will be in his early 30s, so no issues there. Come 2026, uh, Zach Steffen, somebody who didn't get picked for this World Cup, will be in his early 30s, so I think he could certainly jump back into the mix. And then you have the emerging Gabrielle Slonina. So if I had to take a guess, I'll go Turner, Steffen, and Slonina as the Okay, but you agree with me that Horvath and Johnson are no longer a part of the the team team going forward? Uh, Definitely Johnson. Horvath theoretically could be. They all theoretically could be. I mean, this this is, once again, this is a a way too early prediction, and we're not going to you know, take you back and, you know, beat you up. I reserve know. the right to change this okay. over the next three and a half years. There, <laughs> there you go. All right, let's go to um, let's go to defenders here. Serginho Dest, I think, is going to be involved. Uh, I don't think Walker Zimmerman's going to be involved. I think Anthony Robinson's going to be involved. I don't think Tim Ream is going to be involved. I don't think Aaron Long is going to be involved. Uh, I don't think Shaq Moore is going to be involved. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, I'm on the edge, but I don't think he's going to be involved. DeAndre Yedlin is not going to be involved, and I do think Joe Scally is going to be involved. Anybody there that I missed of those, uh, and obviously waiting in the wings with the unfortunate injury is Robinson, uh, Miles Robinson, that is. And at some point, Chris Richards is maybe going to come good, but these are players that certainly could be involved going forward. But of the people that I that I said aren't going to be involved, uh, is there anybody there that uh, that uh, that you disagree with? The Zimmermans and the Reams and the Longs and and the Yedlins. Uh, no, I agree. Those okay. all drop out. Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah. Uh, he could be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think center back. I'm looking at Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, Carter-Vickers. Uh, Palmer Brown, Mark McKenzie. I think those are going to be there. Okay. And, then, and then somebody completely new could emerge. We'll see. But Yeah. And by uh, the way, keep in mind that in the in the interim, uh, we will have seen an Olympic team play. We will see sure, this yeah. whole generation come through. And, you know, there will be stars that emerge through Gold Cups uh, and who knows other, maybe Copa Americas and other things, other things that happen. That, the interesting thing when talking about the national team is it's also what's coming up behind and very, very closely behind, not generational like we have to wait two generations i think that they're going to want their moment especially 2026 being and i think it's going to be in the offing um anything else uh they're defensive wise so we also talking fullback here yeah yeah go ahead yeah so i think the starters dest and anthony robinson yep. should be no problem for the next world cup uh joe scally is a guy that i think okay. could really he's only 20 emerge. years old yep, he's only 20 yeah. years old uh kevin paredes is a, is a guy i'm going to keep an eye on and then, yeah, you've got all sorts of Reggie Cannon, Brian Reynolds, Sam Vines, George Bellows. So, yeah, 
age is no issue there. Just seeing which guys develop the best over the next three or three and a half years. So I think the U.S. is going to have plenty of options there. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of options, and I think a lot of people, when looking at this team, this was the wheelhouse, the engine uh, in, in terms of the midfield. Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney. Uh, barring injury, and of those, just to remind everybody, Tyler Adams is 23 years old, Eunice Musa is 20 years old, and Weston McKinney is 24 years old. Barring any injuries, you know, they are going to not only be there, but they are going to be the focal point in that midfield. Coming on strong behind, uh, Brendan Aronson. Um, I don't think that Luca Della Torre, I think he'll, I, I'm, this is one where I don't think that he is ultimately going to make the impact that people want them to, or maybe that he can make. So I'm not sure if he's going to be around uh, four years from now. It would require him making a, a leap and finding a way to push his way uh, into there. I don't think Christian Roldan's going to be around, and I don't think Kellen, uh, Kellen Acosta is going to be around. Obviously, you have Jordi Mihailovic waiting in the wings, uh, you know, uh, Eric Williamson, these types of players, and a whole host of them. Yeah, I was going to bring up Williamson. Uh, Paxson Pomacall is a guy who, if he can get over his injury problems, which he, he sort of did last season, I think he, he could really emerge. Uh, Obed Vargas is a young player I'm going to have an eye on. But yeah, and then if if we're bringing up Aronson in this Another, mix, he's right, kind yeah. of a tweener. Uh, but yeah, then Malik Tillman is somebody I would throw into that mix too. Uh, Mihailovic, you mentioned, just moved to the Netherlands. How's it, Alkmaar? So we'll see how he does there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those three, uh, Musa, McKinney, and Adams, uh, I think will be starters again come 26. I don't see any reason to move uh, mess with that trio too much. No, absolutely not. And look, and, and you know, Young Aronson's there too, uh, Paxton Aronson, and too. So you never know how that would could, would play out. And very very quickly, he could move up, move up the ranks and start uh, doing some things. All right, we'll get up to the uh, forward position. Uh, okay, so Giorena is going to be involved, whether people <laughs> want it or not. And I do want it. Uh, I don't think Jesus Ferreira is going to be involved only because of the false nine-ish way in which he plays. And I think that that is going to be kind of he's going to carry that around. And I think there's going to be such a hell-bent type of um, desire to get away from that and actually focus in on true striker number nines that he's going to fall by the wayside. Christian Pulisic is going to be around. I don't think Jordan Morris is going to be around. I don't think Haji Wright uh, is going to be around. Um, Timothy Weah is going to be around. Josh Sargent, yes, I say that, um, that he's going to be that he's going to be around. But this is wide open, as we've said time and time again. Obviously, you have Ricardo Pepe uh, waiting in the wings. Um, PFOC is 26. Not sure he's going to be around. Uh, and then Brandon Vasquez. There was so much talk about Brandon Vasquez, who, uh, by all accounts, is going to be in this camp in uh, in January. And who knows, might have been, might be the missing piece and might be looked back as we we didn't bring the missing piece. Yeah, I mean, first off, at winger, that's the strongest position right now. Pulisic, uh, Wea, Reyna, if we're counting Aronson in that group. Uh, younger Aronson, as you mentioned, could be in that mix as well. So, yeah, I think the U.S. is going to be very well served there. Um, uh, even somebody like a Caden Clark could work his way into the mix over the next uh, three and a half years. At center forward, you know, they're all young. So, in theory, their best years could be ahead of them if you're talking about Ferreira, Sargent, uh, Pepe, DK, um, Vasquez, all these guys, Haji Wright. Um, but you, you still question whether any of them is good enough, really, to be a starting sure. center forward. The X factor in this whole equation is this Balogun, uh, this young player who hasn't decided yet whether he's going to play for England or the United States. Arsenal player on loan right now with Hans in Ligue 1, <laughs> doing very well. 
And man, if he were to declare for the U.S., then that throws another very talented player into the equation. So I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on that. All right. So we've looked at the at the roster, Mossy. Um, let's look at the coach. And obviously, this is a, a, a very relevant topic right now. And again, no new news uh, relative to the, the craziness and the drama that has happened over the week with uh, with Greg Berhalter and Claudia Reyna and Danielle Reyna and, and all that. But at some point, somebody is going to coach this in a full-time capacity. And uh, Graham over there on Twitter had asked me, who would you pick to be the next U.S. men's national team manager if it were up to you? And look, there, there's so many options out there. And so, you know, I thought about this for a little bit, not for very long, when, uh, when Graham asked me this. And I fired off. I said, um, I said, Peter Vermes. You know, I got a lot of time uh, for Peter Vermes. And I think he is in a sweet spot, if you will, of having the experience, the ups and downs of coaching and the time spent within American soccer that I do think, despite, <laughs> despite some people's protestations, is actually a benefit and is of, uh, is of value. But he's also you know, 58 years old, so he's still young enough, I think, to be able to do some different things. He has shown at Kansas City um, that he can do more with less. Spend five minutes alone with Peter Vermes, and I think you will come out of it um, a better and more educated person when it comes to the game of soccer and maybe even life. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. He also has a experience and understanding with a holistic type of approach and in totality what needs to happen for a team to function. He comes from youth soccer. He comes from, at times, being the GM, so recognizing that there are impacts and important issues that you know, are beyond the field. And then ultimately on the field, like I said, with what he has done. This isn't me saying that, that he has to be the coach or that another American coach or that another foreign coach wouldn't be a good choice or wouldn't be as good. But, you know, Graham asked me, and this is what popped into my head. And I think that he is a leader, a leader of human beings. And in this case, I think he would be, in specific to 2026 also, I think it would be an interesting choice to lead this team over the next three and a half years into what arguably is going to be the most important World Cup, certainly in, in my lifetime, and an incredible opportunity. And keep in mind, you are all of your experiences. And Peter Vermes, while he played in the 90 World Cup, he was left off of the roster in 1994 when the U.S. hosted the World Cup. And for him to lead this team back to a U.S.-hosted World Cup, I think that he would appreciate that. He would recognize the opportunity. And I think that he would do things um, that would make us proud, ultimately. And again, this is just an opinion as of what are we looking at? 4.10 on Wednesday, January 11th. I might get up tomorrow and think something different, but I've always had a lot of time for Peter Vermes. And as I said, he's, he's not without flaws as we, as we all are, and, he's not, and he has made mistakes over the, uh, over the years, as all, as all coaches do. He has no international experience. Uh, and I was being a little facetious today on, uh, on Twitter when I said, oh, but wait, he's from 
uh, he's from New Jersey, and he uh, has friends and connections uh, with uh, American soccer, and he's from the American soccer ecosystem, and he played with uh, Ernie Stewart, and I'm sure in his he doesn't have a Rolodex because nobody has a, has a Rolodex, but in his phone, he's got plenty of names and numbers from people uh, in the American soccer community. So automatically for a lot of people that disqualifies him because evidently we're trying to find somebody that has no connection at all, not just to American soccer, but to soccer uh, period going forward. So there's no connections. Anyway, go ahead, Moss. Uh, well, the coach right now on an interim basis is Anthony Hudson. Mm -hmm. He'll preside over these two friendlies coming up. Let's go over the schedule. Uh, on January 25th, the U.S. will face Serbia at Bank of California Stadium. Then on the 28th, it'll be Columbia at Dignity Health Sports Park. Um, Serbia already named the roster. Uh, none of the big name guys of Vlahovic, Mitrovic, Milinkovic, Savic. But uh, some names of note, uh, Dejan Jovalic, uh, the future of the LA Galaxy. There you uh, go. So it'll be fun to go up against him. Uh, I do we'll not, see if he gets a start. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Colombia have named a roster yet. And of course, neither has the U.S., uh, um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, the uh, U.S. then in March will play uh, El Salvador and Grenada in the Nations League, assuming they win their group. Then they would have the Nations League semis in June. And also this summer coming up, there's a Gold Cup, which you can catch on Fox Sports. So busy 2023 for the men. Uh, the women obviously have a uh, World Cup to look forward to this summer in Australia and New Zealand. And they have two matches coming up against World Cup co-host New Zealand in New Zealand. Uh, that is uh, January 17th and the 20th. That gives us a chance to give Turner Sports some love because they have acquired the rights to the U.S. national team, men's and women's. Before, before you go uh, there, uh, obviously right. this is uh, you know, a wonderful time to see Lako Nanoski's team and where they are going for three World Cups in a row, something that's never been done, men's or women's, as we prepare for the World Cup uh, this summer. And to actually get to New Zealand, which is, by the way, where they are playing their, uh, uh, their group stage. So literally to get uh, the lay of the land over there with this team. And the, the excitement and opportunity, but also the pressure on this team to live up to the past, uh, the past two World Cups. All right, you mentioned uh, television. We work, in, uh, we work in broadcasting. This was a, this was a big, big 24 hours of announcements when it comes to uh, broadcast. Do you want to let people in on what's uh, if they didn't hear? So, incidentally, uh, some of these U.S. matches will air on HBO Max, yep. uh, which is the service where I believe you watched your, your movie. The, yes, uh, exactly. I have it. I am a subscriber. So, you know, either way, I get to, uh, I get to watch it. But it uh, does bring up some interesting things. But go ahead. Uh, so, they, they announced a commentating team uh, for these U.S. games. Play-by-play, um, -play, Luke Wildman, mm -hmm. uh, who I'm sure. not familiar with. You are No. Oh, he's been around for a while. Okay. Good man. Good man. Um, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry uh, Mossy. Sarah Walsh, who we know well, know, worked with. I, I know, Delightful. I, I know Sarah Walsh well. Uh, one of the, the, the my one of the things that Sarah Walsh enjoys uh, is when um, I'm doing the away team, and she, and she at times doesn't know any of the uh, players. And let's be honest, many of us don't know the away. It's, if it's like in a completely uh, you know random team that we're all trying to figure out who the players are she just enjoys and i i'll catch her eye when i'm when uh, when i'm doing it and she can't stop giggling when uh, when i'm doing some of these lineups so. uh reporter melissa ortiz who yep. we were we just spent five weeks with in qatar she was involved in a lot of yep. digital stuff um analyst julie fowdy solid yeah. yep uh demarcus oh, wait, Priestley. Oh, hold on though that's julie fowdy right she's a part of the american soccer ecosystem and with all the con 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 uh, the connections and the friendships and the history and the baggage and the biases ooh, that's not good uh-oh 
Uh, Demarcus Beasley. I'm gonna drive this thing into the ground, Mossy. Also uh, <laughs> in Qatar with us, uh, doing digital stuff. Um, Bees. Shannon Box. Okay. And Kyle Martino back in our lives. Back, baby. You know, they, it's it's like the uh, it's like the mafia. They can't, uh, you know, they can't. Just when you think you're out, they 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 bring him back in. Actually, I'm glad Kyle is back involved in soccer. I think it's where he belongs. I think it's where he excels, and I think his voice is is needed in this business that we are in. And we saw him many, many years uh, do great work uh, over at NBC with, uh, uh, with, the, with the EPL. He's taken a, a couple of years off, maybe more, and he's done a lot of interesting things, um, including a lot of you know, beneficial things uh, out there. And I'm glad that he's back. So this is going to be fun. And he knows a lot about soccer, and I think he's, it, this is near and dear to him. So I'll, I'll be interested to see him and his gorgeous hair when it comes to uh, broadcasting the U.S. men's and women's national team. Um, shifting gears to MLS. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. One thing, uh, just just so you know, I was I was talking to someone earlier because you mentioned HBO Max. So these games will be on TNT and HBO Max. Sometimes only TNT, sometimes only HBO Max. Evidently, if the way I'm reading this correctly, but one of the um, the things that needs to be sorted out before these games start is that evidently, if the game is on HBO Max there are some restrictions as to where and when you can show them. And so from a, like a bar perspective and a group perspective or a fan fest perspective, it could get dicey and it could get problematic. So I do think, you know, I have a call into the United States Soccer Federation. By the time we talk next week, hopefully I'll have some answers and they will have figured out what's going on. But if you can't watch the U.S. men's or women's national team in a bar in that group setting, because it's on HBO Max, that is a problem. That is a problem in terms of catering to a big part of your audience and big part of your uh, your fan base out there that is, you know, whether it's the American Outlaws or anybody else that get together in that social setting. So uh, they're going to have to figure out how to do this. And, you know, some of these questions and concerns and problems will come up as you go along, but it's up to the United States Soccer Federation, along with their partners, to fix that, to make sure that they are not hurting the future of soccer uh, by going over and taking this money and being associated with these uh, with these partners, obviously from an HBO perspective, they hope to have new new subscriptions. You know that's uh, that's that's obvious. That's business, and I I don't begrudge them that. But if in doing so they're taking away the ability to watch the game in groups, that that could be a big problem. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, next up, you are heading to Philadelphia. I am tomorrow. I'll be heading to Philadelphia for the uh, annual coaches convention, and it is you know. Um, Sambas and uh, tracksuits as far as the eye can see. <laughs> so, but it's fun. It's wonderful to see so many people that I know and a lot of people that I just haven't seen in years. We will be doing some promotion, myself and Carly Lloyd and JP Della Camera and uh, Heather O'Reilly and others will, uh, will be there talking about all of the stuff that we are doing at Fox, but in particular with an eye to the summer and uh, the Women's World Cup. And I'm sure MLS's move to Apple will be a topic of conversation. It, it will. So that was the other announcement. It was interesting that they both came out on the same day. You think they could have gotten together and said, hey, you know, this is the day that we're going to do it. And when are you going to do it? But evidently they decided to drop this on the same uh, on the same day. So MLS announces, uh, well, the, the, the Apple deal has been announced for, for a while, but they actually announced the TV crews um, that are going to be involved. And keep in mind that all of the billions that Apple is paying MLS in this historic deal, an unprecedented type of deal, they have to use some of that money in order to give Apple 
the finished product and the production of MLS as a broadcast um, as broadcast content is going to be generated entirely by MLS in-house. And keep in mind also that there is a linear deal that would be us in terms of a, a traditional television station uh, in Fox that has been done too, where we will be showing games of the week. And we look forward to that. But when it comes to Apple, it is subscription-based, it is streaming, it is available all around the world for anybody, anywhere uh, that they are that has the Apple uh, subscription uh, and the MLS uh, app through the Apple su uh, subscription. So this is uncharted territory for a sports league, and we'll see ultimately how it goes because it's not just about getting people to sign up to Apple from an MLS perspective. It's about increasing the visibility and the success of the league going forward. And if that doesn't happen with that, then that's a uh, that's a big problem. But anyway, you want to uh, give us some of the names that uh, will be working there? And and this is not the full list of Not yet, not yet. There's still evidently should come. be some some more coming. And there's but, with the amount of content they have to crank out, you they need people. But yeah, I mean the list uh includes Kindred Lee St. Aubin, who we know well. Oh, we love her. Yep. Maurice Du, who um he has the best agent in the business. He My just, god, that guy, every time we turn around he gets a job. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, he deserves it. Lori Lindsay. Oh, yep, yep. Danielle Slayton, who we yep. love. Taylor Twelman, we talked about on mm -hmm. our last podcast, leading ESPN. Yep. Uh, your uh, former center back partner, Marcelo Balboa. Wow. All right, there's, so there's some hair. Good, you got a long hair. That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent going over there. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited, and I'm really, really curious to see ultimately what this production looks like. I heard, you know, I listened to the uh, the opening press conference. You know, my friend, you mentioned uh, Taylor Twelman. You know, he he was it was it was interesting because he was hammering the fact that he, in doing this, he was now going to be able to be unapologetic about supporting MLS. And I haven't had a chance to talk to him about that, but obviously this was something that he thought was important to stress time and time again. I've never apologized for loving MLS. And I, I don't know quite what he was, uh, what he was getting, at, uh, getting at there, but obviously he feels that he has been freed to do and broadcast in a way that he hasn't been able to uh, in the past. I'll be interested to see how that manifests in both his individual performance and ultimately how in totality this broadcast from MLS through Apple looks uh, looks aesthetically, but you know these are all people that have been involved. Max Bretos was announced too. Um, go ahead, Sasha Kleshin. Sasha Kleshin. You know, Brad Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, we've worked with his father in so World it's Cups. A, it's a quality group. Diego Valeri, the beautiful Jillian Sakovitz. Yep. Um, Steve Cangelosa, the Kanji man. <laughs> Jake Zivin, who we know well. Sure. Boy, this is a dream team. Listen, uh, this this is a dream team, although this is also from a local and regional perspective, I know, as fans are looking at this. Uh, by the way, you can have your local uh, radio audio. Uh, you can click something, evidently, and have that if that's something that you, uh, that you wish. I will say this. Um, these are the lucky few. These are the ones that get to continue on and to make a living with an incredible opportunity at Apple. There are others uh, that will be added later, like you said, but there are also others that won't be added and that did not, for lack of a better phrase, make the cut. Or, you know, when the music stopped, they didn't have a chair that have given everything year after year, sometimes decade after decade to the game. 
And I hope that those voices aren't completely lost going forward. This is, as you know, Mossy, this is a hell of a business. And it's very, very difficult at times to predict. And sometimes it doesn't, uh, it doesn't always make sense. But you know, ultimately, I, I hope that this is good. I hope that this is good for MLS. I hope that this is uh, good for soccer. And there's a lot of people that didn't get these, didn't get these opportunities that are, are as good, maybe even some cases, uh, some cases better. But as I said last, uh, um, you know, last show, life isn't fair and soccer isn't fair. And you know, I hope that they find a way to stay involved with soccer because we need those voices as much as, uh, as, much as anything. But you know, the opportunities are still, as far as we have come, few and far between, which is why they can pry it from my cold, dead hands. And I'm incredibly privileged and lucky to be able to sit here and look at you and talk into a microphone and make my living in this game. Interesting MLS news item. They have to decide on this soon before the season starts. But according to The Athletic, they're strongly considering tweaking the playoffs again. It would be eight teams in each conference making it. And the first round would be best of three. And then every subsequent round would be single elimination. What would you make of that? So it, it's like a uh, a World Cupish type of format, you know. We're, we're, well, no, that that's what they toyed with earlier in the okay. off season, and which, then they which said no. They sounded they crazy no. to me. Um, this is what eight. This is just they want more playoff games, so right. they're going to make the first round instead of being single elimination a best of three. Okay, so we've done that before, way back in the day. Uh, we actually had three games as part of playoffs, and yeah, if you want more games, you can you can get more games. I do think that it's the general consensus consensus over the last I don't know five years or whatever that the individual games have been kind of cool and the emphasis that have been put on one game for all the marbles has has ratcheted up the drama and so to get away from that even giving more games uh, I'm worried about that keep in mind also this is going to be a unique year with uh, a couple of leagues whatever we're talking a couple leagues of nations, cup yeah. leagues cup where MLS is going to take a month off, where everybody plays in this cup, and both leagues, MLS and League MX, stop playing. So this is going to be a very, very interesting and a very, very different year for Major League Soccer, and I guess for soccer in general. Anything else, Mossy, before we go? No. All right, listen, uh, we've, we've, uh, I think we've hit enough here. There's, uh, there's so much stuff that we could talk about because it's soccer and there's always something else to talk about. But I think that's enough uh, to get into your head uh, for today in terms of this first segment. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, well, there's all sorts of stuff happening over in, uh, in Europe with the leagues that are starting back up and uh, cup games going on and some upsets, uh, shall we say. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back... We'll Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back. Uh, Mossy, all sorts of games going on. I just finished watching the um, Caribou Cup. Yeah, yeah, you, know, uh, you know about this thing, uh, the Caribou Cup? I do, yes. <laughs> the, the semifinals are set. Um, Not what we predicted. Two games yesterday, two games today. We have to lead with the big shocker. Um, Manchester City crashed out of the competition. They lost 2-0 away to Southampton. Holland and De Bruyne didn't start, but they both came on in the second half and were unable to rescue City. Uh, the backup goalkeeper, Ortega, 
uh, caught way out of position on the second Southampton goal. Uh, what was he doing on that? For, for, for those that haven't seen it, it's this, it's this strange thing where it's one thing if a goalkeeper missed chimes coming off the line and just ends up being in nowhere, uh, you know, in, 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 in no man's land there. But in this situation, he comes, I don't know why he's off the line that far. And then he just gets dinged over the top. Uh, and it's just, it's mind boggling. It's going to be a really interesting video session <laughs> when he gets back and has to explain to his goalkeeping coach why he was there. Also today, Nottingham Forest and Wolves played to a 1-1 draw. Raul Jimenez scored for Wolves. It went to penalties and Nottingham Forest advanced. All right. Uh, what do you do? You think that uh, Pep is bent out of shape about this result? <laughs> they, right. they have uh, bigger fish to fry. Okay. Um, right. So Nottingham Forest off to the semis as well. Our good friend Jeff Hyman celebrating somewhere. Poppy Miller as well. Um, so uh, they're in the last four. Yesterday, uh, Manchester United advanced three 0 winners over Charlton Athletic. Anthony with a great goal, and then he was replaced by Rashford, who scored twice late. Very few players in the world playing as well as Marcus Rashford right now. So Manchester United keep rolling. Six wins out of six. All competition since returning from the World Cup. Because Eric Ten Hag knows what buttons to press, Mossy. I'm That's, telling uh... you. Uh, and then Newcastle also advanced yesterday. 2-0 winners over Leicester, Byrne, and Joelington uh, with the goals. Uh, and the semifinal draw has already occurred. So we know it'll be Southampton against Newcastle, Nottingham Forest against Manchester United. Those are two-legged ties. And then the winners meet at Wembley in the final. Oh, so I mean, this is this is Manchester United's to lose. Although Newcastle might have something to say. Yeah, right. Great chance for Eric Ten Hag to win a trophy here early on in his first season, which would be a good start. And and Newcastle also would love to win a trophy early on in this with these new owners and you know to kind of I mean these launch them these cups. You don't care about them unless you can actually win them, and then. And then you'll point to him and say, "Oh, here's your silverware. This is what I, this is what I've done." But if you if you bomb out in the way that Pep did, it's like, "Ah, oh, we got bigger fish to fry, and it's really not that much." And blah blah blah. blah. Um, but this was this was a, a, this was a horrible performance by Man City. All right. Anyway, um, uh, Spanish Supercopa. Uh, yes, that is taking place in Saudi Arabia. The first Wait, semifinal. What? What? Yeah. what? Why are they doing that, Mossy? Yeah, that's what they've done the last couple of years. I know, but why? They spread the game. Why? Oh, you think they're spreading the gospel? Yeah, you know what they're spreading is some cash. That's what they're spreading. So, uh, but it it is it is the globalization of the game, and it is the Middle East. Listen, we've just spent uh, you know a month and a half understanding how much that region wants to be in play, and these types of things uh, they start to add up, and you know they get paid a lot of money. So. Uh, the first semifinal was today. Uh, Real Madrid and Valencia finished 1-1. Benzema from the penalty spot late in the first half. And then Lino, just 20 seconds into the second half, equalized for Valencia. Yunus Musa started. I thought played pretty well. Uh, but it stayed 1-1. It went to penalties. Uh, Real Madrid prevailed. They converted all four. Valencia missed a couple. The announcers in this game kind of twisted the knife on me. You know, it's been about a month since Brazil got eliminated. <laughs> and right before the shootout, they're discussing what order you should do it. And Stuart Robinson's like, of course you put your best takers first. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, Cavani and Benzema took the first ones for their respect. You it's see like, it everywhere. They, you see they, even they, Benzema. The only manager who hasn't figured this out in the world is Chichi, apparently. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I mentioned Real Madrid made four out of four. Ancelotti came out after the game and said Vinicius was going to be the fifth. 
if they needed it. That was going to be kind of funny. I've never seen him take a penalty. And, you know, although his finishing is he, improved. He knows he can't dribble it into Yeah, it, right? it, that still would have been kind of a weird sight. But anyway, Real Madrid move on. Uh, they will face either Betis or Barcelona. That's the second semifinal tomorrow. If Barcelona were to win that, then we'd get a Clasico on Sunday in Saudi Arabia, which would be fun. So we'll keep an eye that on that. That would be nice, right? Uh, you think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, we think, was he at, the, uh, at either uh, of these I, games? I did not see. Oh, uh, no. interesting, interesting. Uh, interesting. But some, some January transfer news in Spain. Uh, we've talked about João Felix leaving Atletico Madrid to go to Chelsea. They apparently want to replace him with Memphis Depay, acquiring him from Barcelona. And then there's some talk of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang going back to Barcelona because it's been a disaster at Chelsea. So it could be a little wow. <laughs> weird carousel there between those three and clubs. Sometimes it doesn't work, you yeah. know? whatever you don't like the the area or the food or something off the field who knows yeah you know uh Copa Italia round the 16 uh yesterday Inter beat Parma 2 to 1 today uh AC Milan crashed out of the competition they lost 1-0 to Torino in extra time Sergino that started this match played pretty well but uh his team gets eliminated uh, what's that? was the Inter Parma one the one where uh, Buffon was in goal uh for uh, for um uh for Parma 25 years after making his uh his Copa America um you know, first appearance, it's amazing. It's amazing that he's able to do that, albeit on a losing end. But still, that's pretty uh, amazing for him to, to do that. All right. Well, at least Dest is playing. We mentioned earlier this week that he's got to get playing. Obviously, at this point, he just has to be playing consistently. Then if he's playing well, that's wonderful. But, you know, at least he got a, a good match in a uh, ultimately a losing effort. Are you familiar with a player named Lionel Messi? I've heard of him. Uh, it's uh, yeah, he's uh, he's kind of like a. Um, I don't know, a Brendan Aronson type player? Yeah, go on. Uh, he is back in our lives. Uh, today, uh, midweek Ligue 1 action, PSG beat Angers 2-0. He, he's not just back in our lives. He's back doing yep. incredible things. So it's Messi's first game back since from the World Cup. He started, he scored. Uh, PSG, who are it was, all alone atop the Ligue 1. It was such a classic, beautiful, messy goal. He just continues to do things that others can't. And in a wonderful little combination play, which is, which is fine in and of itself, but then, first off, he scored it with his right foot. But the quickness and the offbeat in which that he in which he took it, completely wrong foot. The goalkeeper didn't have to hit it hard, but he hits it so quickly after getting control of the ball. There was a delayed uh, celebration because they had to go to VAR, and ultimately they did, and we got that second celebration. And it, you know, you could see the joy in his face, and it's almost, I mean, not that he doubts himself, but after a high that he has been on, unlike any high that is out there, to come back and not miss a beat and do magical things again. That's that's what makes him great. And talk about a guy playing with house money now the rest of his career. Oh he he might just be stupid good the rest of the season because right? he's so relaxed. And, you know, um, so uh, PSG pick up three points in Ligue 1. Uh, let's spin it forward to this weekend. We have some great games to look forward to. Uh, in the Premier League, um, Manchester United will host Manchester City. Uh, we talked about United's great form. Six wins out of six in all competitions. They're going to put that progress to test here. If they, if they were to win this game, it really validates it. If they were to get drilled by City, then it calls into question how much have they really improved. You might recall uh, the last game between these teams in October, City won 6-3 at the Etihad. And it was worse than that. It was 6-1. And United scored a couple goals in garbage time to dress up the scoreline. <laughs> uh, Holland and Foden each got hat-tricks in that game. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I want to see how this new and improved United team stacks up against an angry City team coming off this League Cup elimination. All right. Now, I'm looking at the standings here, uh, Mossy. 
Manchester United is four points back from Man City and nine points back from Arsenal. Uh, in their next three games, they play both Man City and and Arsenal. I mean, yeah, you think is it is there a chance that that we start to have real serious talk about them challenging? If they win these two games coming up, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's uh, not just uh, okay. I mean, yeah. I don't want to make something out of something that's not there. But to your point, the way that they are playing, how well they are, how they are playing, and these kind of they call them six points, but you know, the reality is you're playing against people that are above you there. It could be really, really interesting. I would love to see that. Uh, also this weekend, uh, the North London Derby, Tottenham will host Arsenal. First meeting this season, Arsenal beat them 3-1 at the Emirates. Uh, so Spurs looking for revenge here. Also looking forward to this one very much. Uh, who, do, who do you got in, uh, in that game? Spurs-Arsenal. Do you think Arsenal goes, goes to Spurs and... Uh... Yes. Plays like the uh, the number one team in the in the league right now. Yes, really. Uh, Arsenal. Well, they finally have a center forward that can score goals in Enketia. Gabriel Jesus, you might recall, was on this massive drought before he got hurt. Uh, so I think Arsenal take it. We'll see. Uh, checking in on America's team, Leeds United. They will be away to Aston Villa. And so these are the types of games that they have to uh, find points in. These are the types of games that they have to. You know, this is what's going to decide it for Jesse Marsh and leagues. As I said before, the games against Man City, I don't completely dismiss them because there's at least points on the table there, but nobody's expecting you to win these. But this is an Aston Villa team right now that's in 11th place. Leeds are sitting in 14th right now. This is the knockdown, dragout type of stuff that is going to enable you to stay, <clears throat> to stay in the league. And this is ultimately, I think, where Jesse Marsh, not just this game, but this type of game against this type of competition, this is where the judgment uh, is going to be about Jesse Marsh. A massive, massive game in Italy on Friday. Napoli will host Juventus. Napoli atop the table, seven points clear of both Juventus and AC Milan. Juventus, a pair of 1-0 wins since coming back from the World Cup over Cremonese and Udinese. Wesson McKinney started both those games. I suspect he'll start this one as well. Uh, this match taking place at Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Napoli trying to win their first Serie A title since the Maradona-inspired triumph in 1990. Should be a good one, huh? Seven points clear right now. So uh, this is, uh, you said, okay, so this is in Napoli. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. I mean, this might be, this might decide it. This might decide it. Yeah, you think a Juve win blows a race exactly. wide open exactly. again. Yep. Uh, Napoli win would put it to 10 against Juve. AC Milan also seven back. We'll see what they do this weekend. They face Lecce. But yeah, I mean, this could be a knockout blow as far as Juventus. 10 concerned. points, that's that's something for this for how good Napoli is here. Yeah. Then they might get a little squeaky bum if, uh, if, they, if Juventus goes to Napoli and finds a way to win. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona are, are off in Saudi Arabia competing in this Super Cup, so uh, that makes it kind of a down weekend so in La happening. Liga. <laughs> uh, Stu holds Mallorca away to Osasuna, in case you're curious. Uh, but Stu, apparently more concerned with comparing Michigan and Ohio State's playoff uh, performances. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and then uh, one last note, the Bundesliga, as we've talked about in our last pod, doesn't come back until Friday the 20th. Great game, Leipzig-Bayern. But the team's getting ready, playing friendlies in the lead-up to that, and some great news out of the Dortmund camp. Awesome. Sebastian Haller, who's been out this whole season battling testicular cancer, he's back. He played in a friendly. He's going to be available again, so that's terrific news. Huh? Haller! Awesome, awesome. Wonderful news uh, to see to see that. I mean, you know, we, we're, we're getting good news this week when it comes to athletes uh, that have, uh, you know, had, uh, had problems, so that's, that's good to see. 
Uh, anything else, Mossy? That is it. All right. So all sorts of stuff uh, to watch this uh, this weekend, all throughout uh, throughout Europe, and some really really good matches. And you know, might clear up some stuff when we get back uh, next week for uh, the first pod of the week next week. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for Ask Alexa. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back, and it's time for Ask Alexi, that part of the show when uh, we take some of your questions out there. And you can use that hashtag, Ask Alexi, if you're on those social media platforms, the, you know, the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks uh, out there. And by the way, our, uh, our Twitter handle out there is SOTU with Alexi. But you can also call in, as some people have done, at 657-549-2297. That is our State of the Union podcast hotline. Again, 657-549-2297. I think we have some voicemail and a Twitter question, right, Mossy? Yeah, let's do the voicemail first. Okay. Yo, this is Eddie from Portland, Oregon. Thorn supporter, Timbers supporter. Loving you guys' podcast. Hung on every word through the whole World Cup. Thank you so much for all the work you guys put in. And I'm looking forward to hearing more in the future. Maybe you'll comment on this issue um recently Kylian Mbappe said something along the lines of the reason why European teams tend to succeed at the World Cup is that they get the opportunity to play against one another they get the opportunity to play in Europe against such amazing teams and figures as European football produces now obviously Argentina won much to my delight and that of probably the majority of the people on the planet and they made great light of the statement however something about it rings true to me I'm wondering if our guys, the USMNT, could benefit from competing overseas a lot more, particularly in Europe. Um, Might elevate them some, give them some opportunities, and give them some good just experience in order to face our future rivals. Size the day. Be good. Peace. Uh, okay, Eddie from Portland. First off, thank you uh, for the kind words, and thank you for listening uh, to uh, you know all the <laughs> all the content that we were cranking out over there in the in the uh, during the World Cup. It was a labor of love, and 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 by the way, Mossy, the numbers that we had were incredible. So the fact that people were listening to us babble on sometimes in you know a, a middle of the night type of state is wonderful, and a credit to you. And thank you so much um, to people like Eddie that did uh, uh, tune in day after day because we were cranking it out in their day and now that you uh are, are, are tuning in here a couple times a week all right to your uh to your question and i think we we've, we've talked a little bit about this before in terms of the challenges first off you're still hedging your bets okay so the united states you don't need me to tell you is not argentina in terms of a national team it's not uh it's not brazil in terms of, uh, in terms of a national team so the fact that argentina won the world cup doesn't mean that a continual diet um, and schedule of facing European teams wouldn't be beneficial to the United States national team uh, or any other comparable type of national team. You, you play within your region um, uh, for the most part, and now we're talking about friendlies and possibly being invited to different, uh, different cups. So yeah, 
the more times we get to play against better competition, and the reality is that when you look at, if you had to list your top 20 teams, the vast majority would be from, from Europe, and therefore that's going to make you better, like in anything in life, challenging yourself against better competition is going to make you better. Yeah, the better off you, you, uh, you would be. Uh, the problem is that you have your own regional competitions that you are obligated to play from a U.S. perspective. While it's fun and entertaining and exciting, the reality is that there's only a handful of teams that really give the United States men's national team within CONCACAF, our region, a game. And you, you want the others to get better, but the reality is that just, that just hasn't happened. Um, and so... I would love to say that over the next three and a half years, the United States is going to play as many uh, European teams as possible. And you know what? It might, it might end up happening sooner rather than later. We already have some uh, European, te European teams scheduled. And if rumors are true, you know, we've heard that, uh, that Germany's coming over to the United States. So that could possibly be happening. And the more of those, the better off we are. The problem is we just can't count on them. Because while we have to play our regional competitions, all the European teams also have to play their uh, European competitions. And with the advent of the Nations League, there are very, very you know, there's few, inf uh, very few opportunities for the United States to play the, these types of games. They're going to have to find these windows because keep in mind, the U.S. is not going to have to qualify for the 2026 uh, World Cup. So when it comes to being invited to Copa America, who knows when it becomes to being invited to other things, we're going to have to take those opportunities. But I just don't see, while I, I would love to see it, I don't see how it fundamentally changes where we are consistently able to play against European teams. But undoubtedly, to your point, Eddie, it would make the national team better. Uh, next up, a Twitter well, wait, wait, question. Wait, anything to say? I mean, well, you mentioned the report. That's our, our pal Derek Ray who tweeted that Sport Build reporting that Germany uh, will spend the September-October window across the Atlantic. Expectations are one match in the U.S. and one in Mexico. Well, so. you would hope that in the U.S. they're playing against the U.S., and I, I'm assuming in Mexico they play against Mexico. And look, a game against Germany, that's good. That's something that helps this team. It'll be interesting to see what this team looks like and who's coaching it. You said the U.S. is not Brazil. Uh, the U.S. has won the same amount of World Cups as Brazil in the last 20 years. Oh, look at you. Still bitter. Still bitter. <laughs> um, uh, next up, a Twitter question. Uh, Les80 asks, uh, where should the 2026 World Cup final be played? Uh, good question. And I think that this is being asked more and more now as we, are, well, we're starting to learn a little bit more in terms of the details of 2026, but there's still a whole lot that is yet to be decided, including where that is going to be. Uh, I answered this on, on Twitter, uh, to Les 80 here. And I said very, very clearly, I think that it should be, um, indoor. Keep in mind that there are, uh, let's see, um, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Vancouver that are sites for the 26 Men's World Cup that are indoor and have roofs. And, you know, people said, oh, SoFi. SoFi is not really, as we saw this, <laughs> this, this Monday when it started to rain in the uh, roofed stadium uh, over here in Los Angeles. But I think that it's going to be in Dallas. I think Jerry is going to get his way over there at Jerry World. And I know it's not actually in Dallas, but, you know, come on, don't be a jerk like that. Uh, but I think it's going to be uh, in the in the Dallas Stadium, I think it's going to be indoor. We have had indoor World Cup games, whether it was you know World Cups in uh, in Canada or even as back as as far back as 1994 in the Silverdome in Detroit during the men's uh, the men's World Cup. 
it will be grass. And that still has to be cited as to what type of grass and how that whole technology is going to happen because you can't just roll in grass. Um, you actually have to have it grow and make sure that it is, uh, that it is playable. Uh, that being inside means that, uh, you know, the, the climate, this is the summer in the United States, okay? And all of the, you know, clutching of pearls and hand-wringing that people had about the weather when it comes to Qatar, Masa, you'll back me up on this, it was actually delightful and completely comfortable. And not, I'm not talking necessarily in the stadium, I'm just talking about, you know, walking around in November and December in Qatar, uh, in Doha. It is going to be much, much hotter in the summer of 26 in a lot of those venues, especially the ones that aren't uh, indoor. I mean, in particular, the ones that aren't, uh, that aren't indoor. And it's not like they have air condition like they did in Qatar in these stadiums. So it's gonna be incredibly hot in some of these, uh, some of these places. So your final game that you want pristine conditions, I think you would want to have indoors. And so it would be the first Men's World Cup final that is played indoor. But in doing that, you can control, literally control the climate. You can make it comfortable, not just for the players, but for the people watching. Also, inclement weather, weather that we talk about, you alleviate the danger of having to delay the game. Also in Dallas, because of the time zone, it's, uh, it's beneficial to the European audience, which we know is a priority when it comes to FIFA. So I think something like that uh, would absolutely make sense going forward. For, for people who don't remember the last two World Cups that we have had, uh, well, we have three, but the, the, the World Cups have had their finals in, uh, in Los Angeles, and they've had opening games at times in uh, Chicago and uh, games in New York, and so people bring all of these up. Where the final should be, Mossy, really, though? Las Vegas. But it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a city come 2026. Uh, I'll never forget that the opening game of the 94 World Cup was in Chicago because I now associate it with that OJ 30 for 30 documentary sure. of that crazy day and everything that happened. Yeah, the chase. Yeah, me and Brad Friedel were sitting up the night before our first game, which was uh, the night before our game in Detroit and watching OJ. And I was just screaming at the screen going because we had an 1125 kickoff. <laughs> and I was screaming at the screen going, OJ. You're killing me here because we're going to have to stay up all night to figure out how this thing ends. And I got to get up tomorrow morning and play in my first World Cup game. So that was uh, that was nuts. And if you remember in the opening game that featured defending champions uh, Germany against Bolivia, Bolivia yeah. Marco Echeverri, the great Marco Echeverri, got a red card in that game. And before the game in the opening ceremonies, um, Diana Ross missed a penalty kick. So. All sorts of stuff that uh, can happen in opening Is games. It June 17, 19, something like that. Yeah, something, something like that. So oh, I can't believe you remember that. But yeah, I do think that uh, I, I, I think that Dallas has a real shot at hosting the final of 2026 when the United States is playing against your Brazil in the uh, final of the 26 World Cup. <laughs> All it. right, Mossy, anything else? That's it. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I will give you my uh, one for the <laughs> Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All 
right, welcome back, and it's the end of our show. And at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. Masi, I want I want you to set this one up for me because we talked a little bit about this before coming on uh, coming on air, and it it got my wheels spinning as to how I think about the game that uh, the game that we love. So, uh, uh, Emmy Martinez and uh, Hugo Lloris, right? Two great goalkeepers. Two great goalkeepers. Uh, Emmy Martinez, one of the heroes of Argentina's. Uh, World Cup triumph. The save he made at the end of extra time, I think, is the greatest save in World Cup history. But as we know, his antics uh, can rub some people the wrong way. We we got to look at that in the Copa America the previous year in the semifinals against Colombia during that shootout. And so he did similar stuff during the shootouts in Qatar. And then afterwards, when they won during the award ceremony, uh, he picked up the Golden Glove and and did a kind of a lewd gesture. Um <laughs> which you can go watch on, on the internet. Uh, so Hugo Lloris, the France goalkeeper, announces international World Cup retirement. Winner. World Cup winner, captain in 2018, runner-up this time around, their all-time caps leader. He announces international retirement. And he was asked about Emmy Martinez's antics, and he said, there are some things I can't do. Making a fool of myself and goal, rattling my opponent and crossing the line, I just can't do that. Uh, and and you have reaction to that. I, I do, because I, I understand to a certain extent what Lloris is, is, is saying, because he would not look good doing it, because that's not who he is as a person or a player. However, I love personality in the game. I love characters in the game. I love people that are willing to play a character in the game. And I think that Emmy is one of those characters where as many people hate him as love him, but everybody wants to see what he is doing. Even if they scream and yell after about how disrespectful and shameful to the game his antics are, and it's um, Bush League. And, you know, for those that either don't watch or, or, or didn't watch, yeah, he gets in your head. Every single sport has those types of players. Dennis Rodman, for example. And they are loved and they are hated. Usually, from a, a player perspective, they are loved when they are on your team. And from a fan perspective, it is if it is your goalkeeper, you usually love it. Sometimes people cringe and say, I'd rather he not do that. But this is obviously what he needs to be successful. I don't think that this is a Dumbo situation where you say, don't, you don't need that. You can fly without the feather. No, I actually think that in order for Emmy to be Emmy, this is who he has to be. And so you either accept it and take it, whether you agree with it or not, because you know that this is the best version of him that he has figured out. This is how he can be at his best, or it's, or it's all gone. And I think in our game, we try to tamp out personality too much. And I think that that hurts the individuals involved. I think it also hurts the game. And look, I'll be the first person to tell you at times that I harumph and I sit up there and say, I can't believe that person did it. But then I catch myself saying, but that made it interesting. And that made it something that I want to see. And the game needs heroes and villains. And Emmy is a villain to a lot of people. But if we don't have those and we don't have that juxtaposition, then it's just a big old bland mass of nothing. And that's not the type of sport that I want. 
that's not the type of, of world that I want. I gravitate to people who I disagree with or who rile me up. I gravitate to people who do things differently. I gravitate to people who aren't afraid of poking the bear uh, in, in my soccer and in, uh, and in my life. And yes, it can go beyond the pale. And yes, you can get into trouble. And yes, you can individually as a someone, it can become a crutch and it, be, it can, it can be, and it can be become problematic. I don't think that it has for him. He's a World Cup winner playing this way and doing these types of things, as is uh, Hugo Lloris. They just did it differently. And ultimately, they both resulted in winning a World Cup. I don't think one is looked at as better or worse. Hugo Lloris, I think, rightfully recognizes that he can't be that type of character, and he can't be that villain. And so he, so he doesn't, so he doesn't try. But for Argentina and for maybe this particular Argentina team, that's exactly what this team needed. And to your point, we saw it in Copa America, so it wasn't necessarily a surprise. This is what he does and then what he will continue to do. And the next time that he does it, it'll be interesting because if and when he goes to that well and it runs dry, the criticism that is inevitable is going to be that much more because if there's one thing people love is seeing somebody big, bold, and arrogant fall on their face. But until that time, he's going to turn around and say, suck it. I'm a World Cup winner. That's probably exactly what he'd say. Masi, anything before we go? Uh, one last, last sure. thing. And this might be old news for people here at Fox, but I was going down the Instagram rabbit hole today. I just stumbled upon this. Uh, did our colleague Kat Donnelly get engaged? Well, Let's hear it. Really? Uh, congratulations, Kat. Congratulations, Kat. Um, uh, there's, there's, there's engagements in the air. There's just engagements flying out all over the place. Who else? Producer Sean is also engaged. Oh, I, I did not know that. Can you believe that? He's got himself a dog. He's got himself a future wife. He's finally showing up to work, which is, that's a good thing, right? I mean, he gets to work with us. Uh, I mean, it's it's going pretty well for him. Oh my goodness! Well, congratulations to Cat. Congratulations to uh, uh, and and uh, to Sean and best wishes and all of those uh, things. Uh, you will make what, wonderful spouses uh, going forward. What's that? Uh, do we get invited to Sean's wedding? No chance. There's no chance. Absolutely, absolutely not. Abs absolutely not. It's, it's an open bar, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, listen, uh, we love everybody uh, for for what they do from a professional perspective, but also we work with wonderful people, and it's wonderful to when we see people that are happy and that are, you know, going into uh, new phases uh, of their life because we, you know, we're a community here, we are a family here and uh this is uh this is pretty pretty cool. And it's a it's a time for celebration, you know, when people are getting engaged and people are getting married, that's a that's a that's a cool thing. And uh we will continue to uh, to celebrate that. Mossy, anything else? That's it. All right, we will be back again uh, next week. We appreciate uh your patronage. We appreciate you downloading and reviewing and subscribing and doing all the different things uh that you do out there. Again, reminder, our State of the uh, Union podcast hotline 657-549-2297. That's 657-549-2297. Um our handle out there, SOTU with Alexi. We continue to crank out the content for you because 
Soccer knows no season. It just continues on and on and on. That is the way that we like it. Uh, it gives us plenty to talk about. It gives us plenty to work, and we will continue to do this now twice a week when it comes uh, to the State of the Union podcast. I will be in Philadelphia. I'll let you know how that trip goes. I can't wait to see everybody out there at the uh, coaching convention, and then we'll be back here again next week to give you uh, another edition of the State of the Union podcast. But until then, and as always, size the 